and welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest is our regular contributor, Robert Larson. He comes to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you this morning. Um, so in Temecula, a man's house was foreclosed on, which happens a lot in the Inland Empire. But then the man became the so- part of the Sovereign Citizen Movement, the Southern Poverty Center. Or, I'll start again. The Southern Poverty Center estimates that the group has over a hundred thousand like active members. There's no word, as far as I saw, briefly that uh, the little research I did into it, if it's considered a hate group by that same organization, the Southern Poverty Law Center. But after the guy gets foreclosed on, then the story gets interesting. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, yeah. I didn't had no idea anything like this was was going on around here. I mean, yeah, obviously we know that foreclosed houses is a big thing in the Inland Empire. And um, I've known about these uh, kind of right-wing, kind of libertarian groups that come up with these different things now and then where they basically say, oh, well, this is happening to you by the authorities. And you know what? They don't have any uh, jurisdiction over you. You are a sovereign citizen. I've been hearing these kinds of ideology sorts of things for years. I didn't know there was like a thing out there right now called sovereign citizen that people were using to uh, sort of get around a situation where they've lost their home through foreclosure. And I don't know all the details of how they make that argument but it appears that what they say is that oh you you lost your home you had your home taken away from you well the banks the authorities this that they they don't have proper jurisdiction here's boom 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 you have the authority given to you by the constitution or given to you by god that out that and therefore it's all null and void therefore oh the bank took your house you just go right back there. And so this guy did this. The The new owners or new tenants were out of town. They were uh, Egyptian immigrants, and they had just gone back to Egypt to visit. And so they, he saw that as his opportunity, Mr. Chang, the guy that did this sovereign citizen sort of argument thing. And so I basically broke in, broke the locks, changed the locks, went in, and, hey, this was my house. It still is. And then he created a fake deed, which I presume he was taught to do that by the sovereign citizen movement, and created the fake deed, filed it, and hey, this is my house again. So the the Atta family, the Egyptian immigrants, came back from Egypt, and they had a big surprise when they got there because Mr. Chang was back in the house and was saying it was his house and was saying that the law was on his side. And so they went to the authorities and the authorities stepped in. And But they, there was a problem because uh, Mr. Chang had filed this fake deed. It looked to some of the authorities like, wait, no, he is the rightful owner. And it took him a while to sort that out and realize that it was a fake deed. And he was um, tried uh, for, uh, this was a while back, and the what was he charged with? It was a couple of felonies, uh, filing a false deed, trespassing, violating a court order, burglary, so so a lot of things. 
And he, he went down that path where you decline to have a lawyer and you represent yourself. And yeah, it's not a good idea. And he, instead of making arguments or trying to, to, to actually argue the case, he would just read these sort of written statements. And uh, what was the one quote? Uh, he would not contract with the administrative law tribunal. And, and, and another thing that made the whole story kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe more of a circus atmosphere is that uh, Mr. Chang, his name is Victor Chang, is a uh, Chinese immigrant. He only speaks uh, Cantonese, and so there was a Cantonese interpreter. So he's making all these weird arguments, and it's being done through this interpreter and uh, the sovereign citizen ideology that you sort of associate with just really white people. yeah. So, uh, I, it's too late now, but I wish I could have been there, Heather. Yeah, I wish I could have seen it, too. I like how he filed a deed, but the law doesn't apply to him somehow. That's always fun, too. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, this was, you know, all this stuff kind of happened at the trial. And then why this is news now is that he was recently sentenced. And uh, I, I guess the whole not using a lawyer thing, he decided that wasn't such a great idea. So at the sentencing part, he did get a lawyer. And I'm assuming it was the lawyer's idea for him to to actually apologize and to say that he was duped into doing this. But this group, there's apparently a group that is going around and actually kind of taking advantage of people that are being foreclosed and the sovereign citizen ideology, this will turn things around. You don't have to get your house taken away. We can make this right because they don't have any authority over you. Uh, These kinds of uh, arguments. So he said at the sentencing that he was duped into that and he was sorry. And so they actually uh, went, uh, I pretty easy on him he's been sentenced to work release and three years probation although he's also been ordered to pay restitution and there's um an estimate that it could be as high as six figures oh wow has that kind of money so you know maybe there'll be some sort of uh, uh kind of negotiation on that but i mean hopefully he is truly sorry and he realizes he made a mistake but the thing is it's, it's really sad is that the the Atta family who were the tenants or the residents I, I'm not sure if they were owners or just renting um, were so freaked out when they came home from Egypt and he's in their house and so they uh, they just have gone back to Egypt and we know the situation in Egypt is far from stable so the fact that they have decided to move back there must uh, mean they were they were disturbed by this. Oh, definitely. And the one thing that comes to mind is if he was duped, like how did they talk to him since he only knows one language and it isn't English? That's that doesn't make sense either. So either that was a ruse, or where maybe there are people in the sovereign citizen uh, movement who who speak Cantonese, or uh, you know, maybe they've got a bunch of stuff online. And some of it's uh, he's had it translated for him. Uh, it'd be interesting to, to look into this a little more. Oh, definitely. Um, another story from the Empire. Uh, another body has been found by Lake Skinner, and uh, this is now two. At least two that I know yeah. of. Yeah, we talked a, a few times about the uh, Brittany Kilgore story. She was a a murder victim who was involved with this group that uh, practiced some. Uh, 
like bondage and S&M kind of stuff. And they had sort of uh, duped her and took her into this situation where they they horribly abused her and murdered her. And her body was found out by Lake Skinner. So, yeah, just uh, very recently in the last few days, they found a, a dead body out there. And I think I remember another story recently uh, in the last few years. So I don't know if Lake Skinner is a place where bodies get dumped. They're not even sure of the cause of death of this recent uh, uh, man that they found out there. So it could be an accident, but uh, it also could be that Skinner is the place where you dump the bodies. <laughs> you just heard it here first. Um, and then the last story is a side story. It's totally unnecessary, and uh, it just makes me really upset. A three-year-old boy was at a Lowe's uh, home improvement store in the Inland Empire, and he was bitten in the face by a dog. And uh, this dog comes from a breed that really shouldn't be around other people other than its owners because it's mentally unstable. I don't know that much about dogs, but what breed is this dog from? Yeah, this is an Akita, and I get, they're, they're, it's, well, this dog is a pure breed, and when they are pure breed Akitas, they're, they're, they have some attributes that make them not uh, such good dogs to be around, to be out in public around people they don't know. They're very loyal to their owner, but if there's somebody that they don't know, they, they act a little weird, and they tend to, to lash out at times, and so really, uh, the the people who were quoted in the story I read about this, they were saying, no, yeah, they shouldn't be just out on public jaunts or out around children. And here, this irresponsible dog owner takes this Akita to a Lowe's home improvement store. And, you know, I have a real thing about irresponsible dog owners, and there are quite a few out there. You hear these kind of stories. And just these people that, that just think it's all right to just bring their dog into any public place – most stores have policies against having dogs in there unless it's a service dog. But people just more and more ignore it all the time, it seems. Yeah, and, that- and it's really irritating because they're trying to keep the dog under control. And meanwhile, they're trying to do whatever transaction they need to do at the register. And it's not a service dog. And it's not well-behaved. It's it's awful as somebody that's shopping there. Right, right. And you and I both worked in retail, know how it is, especially when you're trying to help this person, there's a major distraction thing going on. But uh, yeah, and sometimes the dogs make messes in the stores and that kind of thing. But anyway, this is like, he's got this dog that's a a dangerous dog and and a three-year-old boy, you know, he's probably, most three-year-old kids like animals a lot and probably, oh, nice doggy. And he reached out to pet the dog and the dog went nuts and... uh, bit him several times and the kid has needed to have uh, 50 stitches and so it's pretty serious but anyways the part that's really disturbing is that the owner saw fit to just leave the scene with his dog and uh, you know no oh offering assistance or calling 911 or uh apology anything and uh, uh through i don't know if there was a surveillance video because it was inside the store or if it was just uh, eyewitnesses but they were able to tr- finally you know track down the owner and uh, he's been arrested and well, good was taken away uh, a lot of times in these kind of situations the dogs are are euthanized uh this is not the case i guess there was a determination made that it was pretty much completely the irresponsible dog owner the dog wasn't doing anything that that type of dog 
doesn't do. It just should never have been brought out in public around children. And so they've got it at a place where they're trying to get it adopted. And they've said that the person who ultimately adopts it will have to sign papers saying that they understand what this kind of dog is and that it shouldn't be in this type of situation or this type of situation. And um, hopefully that that works out right. Yeah, I hope so. And and just the way you were describing how he fled the scene, I was kind of picturing uh, the end of Caddyshack when Bill Murray blows up the whole golf course and he's trying to shade his face with his hand and he kind of gently walks away. <laughs> so anyways, uh, Robert Larson, he comes out to us from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest and thanks for always being on the Heather McCoy Show. Oh, it's always my pleasure. And we'll talk to you next week.